Shots close in a late game. Yeah. Right? Hello? Is anybody listening? I guess we'll find out. <laughs> so the Lakers uh get their asses kicked. 138 to 94 was the final in Philadelphia. The 76ers um were absolutely on fire against the shorthanded Lakers team. And I think those were, at the end of the day, the, the, the two biggest factors here. And in essence, I I probably could just end the pod there. Like the story of this game could just end there, right? In that, um, you know, when you play against a team that knocks down 47% of their uh 46 nearly 53s that they take you're just not going to beat that team right especially when you on your end of things shoot um what'd you shoot seven of 28 on the lakers end of things and uh you add to that that the lakers still don't have cam reddish still don't have uh rui hachimura and still don't have uh jared vanderbilt and, um, you know, I don't think they're ever really going to have Gabe Vincent, uh, at least not for uh, uh, quite some time. The lack of updates on him are starting to get a little worrisome. But um, when you look at, like, the situation going into this game, uh, it, at least on the court, you would say, yeah, this is probably going to be a Philly win. Philly has their injuries, right? You have Kelly Oubre who is missing either because of a car accident or because of a BMX accident, depending on the reporting you believe. And beyond that, they had their full kind of reserve of, of players for this one. And it looked like it, it really showed the, the, the Sixers were clearly the better team in this game and frankly have been the better team this season. And especially since uh, they have made the James Harden trade and brought in a bevy of vets, right? That was the thing that we talked about in yesterday's lounge or yesterday, yesterday's uh, lowdown in preparation of this game in that I like that Philly is basically, as of right now, we'll, we'll see if things change, but as of right now, they are leaning into, we are deep. We have a whole bunch of vets who know what is expected of them and screw that superstar who um, is a career loser and let's just move on. And that has essentially become their identity. Tyrese Maxey has played incredible basketball. I think the Lakers found out about him tonight or last night, I guess, by the time you guys are listening to this. And, and, and yeah, I, it was just, I, I could, I could just stick to the basketball aspect of this. And I, and there are basketball explanations for why the Lakers lost, maybe not lost by 40 and, and maybe not, you know, even when the when even when the subs came in, when the ends of the benches were were emptied, um, there was no fight here, and and you know still there are explanations even there, right? Where if the deeper team and the healthier team empties their bench, you're going to have better players on that side of the court than on yours, um, and and it, and it you know looked like that too. But I don't know. There was there was a lot more coming into this game. Than just those things. And 
And I have to start with Paul Reed's comments about Anthony Davis. So, you know, during shoot around, you had, uh, you had Paul Reed asked about, you know, guarding Anthony Davis and handling that challenge or whatever. And I, to be completely honest, thought this quote was fake quote. Uh, he's a big flopper. So make sure that I don't get in foul trouble early. Can't be too aggressive with him. You know, he's going to be fit flailing. So got to make sure that I stay out of foul trouble. This is Paul Reed who plays all of like 12 minutes a game. Uh, so clearly like he isn't really all that concerned about foul trouble because he's almost never in there long enough to, to foul out anyway. And like right off the bat, my first thought when I had this beyond like the obvious joke of you play with Joel Embiid, who is honestly like my least favorite player in the NBA right now, um, outside of like James Harden and like the, the, the guys who are dealing with criminal stuff. Um, Joel Embiid is like supremely talented. He's a huge human being and he always enforces his, you know, imposes his physicality throughout the game. And then as soon as he gets contact that, you know, he doesn't like or whatever, he falls over and gets calls. Uh, I think Joel Embiid in this one shot 12 free throws. Uh, Davis shot five, LeBron shot two. And uh, on the season, Joel Embiid has shot just slightly fewer than LeBron and AD combined. <laughs> not not like he is like, you know, sandwiched in between those guys for total attempts this year. Uh, not, you know, not that those guys are all clumped in the way that they are all close together or whatever. No, AD and LeBron have combined for just slightly more free throws than Joel Embiid this season. So, like, that was the obvious joke, and it was a joke that I made on Twitter. But then upon thinking about it a little bit longer, it struck me, like, you don't get very many comments about superstars from role players like this very often, right? Normally, teams will kind of tell their, like, especially role players, right? They'll tell them, let's not piss off the really good basketball player on the other end of this thing, right? Right before we play him. Can we just like avoid that? Right. Can we just like not do that? Normally that's the stance in this case though, Paul Reed gives a quote that I, I legitimately had to double check to make sure that it wasn't fake and it isn't fake again, quote, he's a big flopper. So make sure that I, me speaking, Paul Reed averages 12 minutes a game. He doesn't have to worry about foul trouble normally. So make sure that I, this is Paul again talking, don't get in foul trouble early. Can't be too aggressive with him. You know, he's going to be flailing. So got to make sure that I stay out of foul trouble. I mean, you just don't. <laughs> As an example, LeBron accents some physicality sometimes right if he feels like he's he gets fouled he lets the referees know about it every superstar in the league for the most part does the same kind of thing and yet you do not get quotes like this very often about those superstars and uh you could go back through the the, the history of the game right it gets even more kind of 
tight-lipped about superstars the further back you get, right? Where a lot of that stuff, especially before social media, where every NBA player basically is competing for the next podcasting gig. Um, you know, back in, you know, when I was growing up, I almost did the back in my day thing. But when I was growing up, nobody said shit like that about Shaq. Nobody said shit like that about Kobe or Duncan or MJ or whomever, because that's the exact kind of thing that superstars normally take to heart and make a point of who the fuck are you again to say what? Who is that? Who is Paul Reed? That was the 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 response I was hoping for. And, you know, early in the game, you looked like you were going to get it. You know, AD scores eight uh, first quarter points. I will point out that a lot of those points came in the form of, of jump shots and stuff that aren't particularly sustainable with him. But after that flurry to begin the game, he finishes he finishes in 32 minutes with only 17 points. So his response to getting shit on by Paul Reed was 17 points, 11 rebounds, a couple steals, or a couple assists, a steal and a block, and a minus 13 on 7 of 14 shooting in 32 minutes. Hmm. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, the reason Paul Reed feels comfortable and the Sixers feel comfortable with Paul Reed saying that about Anthony Davis is the league kind of sort of knows you're not going to get a response or not a consistent one because AD starts this game and he gets a, he gets Embiid in foul trouble. Embiid had three fouls, I believe, in the first quarter, the kind of game that you could take him right the hell out of. But did AD continue to, to attack him? Nope. No siree, Bob. And, and, <laughs> Embiid finishes the game with, Get this, or no, I guess Embiid picked up two fouls in the first quarter um, and finished the game with two fouls. So AD could have easily picked up a third one on Embiid by getting to the free throw line, getting to the basket, any of those things, chose not to. On a night where Paul effing Reed is out there saying that about him, that's the response, huh? All right. And then to extend it beyond that, right? Because again, in terms of just basketball, I could explain that stuff away, right? I could I could explain that result away. Maybe not to the tune of forty four points or whatever it was. Yeah, forty four points was the was the final difference in this game. Um, that is an embarrassing thing, or or in in, in its own right. Um, but still, you know, you get shellacked on a night where the team shoots like that. You just get shellacked. But no, um, I was also kind of interested in how the Lakers would respond to this, right? AD is a very popular guy in, in the locker room. One of the team's leaders, right? Certainly the captain defensively in all of those things. You would think that like, this is one that the Lakers would at least try to send a message in or at least remain competitive. And you can walk away from it. And you can say, man, the Lakers even down their entire wing rotation at least looked like they were interested in trying. And it at least in, it looked interested in like clowning Paul Reed anytime he was on the court. Nope. No siree, Bob. <laughs> the Lakers get mollywopped. And, and, and it again kind of goes back to the points I've made earlier when it comes to 
my concerns about this team culturally, right? In terms of the leadership on this team, whether that be from LeBron and AD and their forms of leadership or with Darvin Ham, who again, after the game, uh, complained about the guys at the end of the bench getting into the game and not, you know, displaying full effort. Um, that's on you, Darvin. Like you are setting the culture there. You are the person who should get full, has normally gotten full buy-in from anybody who enters the game in any situation. Like that feels kind of noteworthy that once again, you are again, kind of poking holes in your own culture, your own team's culture. And, and in this one, you know, you look at, you look at like right from the get go, some of this is X's and O's and I'll talk about that here in a bit, but yeah, it just, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this team, if healthy, is a, a skilled enough, competent enough to compete with just about anybody, especially on nights that they give a bleep. My thing is, this team is nowhere near good enough to feel like they can flip that switch from don't give a bleep to giving a bleep. And the league right now is way too deep to feel like you can flip that switch between giving or not giving a bleep to the point where you play the wrong team on the wrong night, you lose by 44 points because you didn't, you, you, you thought that that was a flip that you could just switch and you chose not to flip it and choosing by the way, not to flip it in this game, this wasn't the second night of a back-to-back. -back. This isn't like a game at the end of a really, really long road trip. No, this is like your run-of-the-mill East Coast game. And the Lakers just like chose not to compete. And they chose not to compete on a night that followed an opposing role player crapping on a team leader. That That is the part that I, I, I'm, I'm having the, the biggest issue with. In terms of actual basketball here, though, I also think that there were some weird decisions made here by Darvin. Like, as an example, and Raj pointed this out on, on All Access Lakers when we were doing that show, Christie plays 26 minutes here. If the game was closer, I think he probably would have wound up playing more. So if you know going in that you're probably going to be playing Max Christie longer minutes, why not just mirror those minutes with... with uh, Ty Tyrese Maxey like Tyrese Maxey on the season <clears throat> let's pull up his numbers real quick on the season Tyrese Maxey this year is averaging 26 points a game he's averaging just shy of seven assists a game almost a block a game which is kind of crazy he's shooting 46 percent from the from the field he's shooting 40 percent on eight attempts a game from three-point range, yet the Lakers kept on sagging off of him. And he's shooting, uh, you know, 90% basically from the free throw line on five and, a tap, uh, five and a half attempts per game. So he's having the career of his life. He has played so well that when James Harden said, like, get me out of here, I hate all of you, the Sixers were like, just wait, we're trying. We don't want you here anymore. And yet the Lakers guarded him as if he hadn't thrown a pee in the ocean all year. 
the Lakers are guarding Tyrese Maxey as if he's shooting late. <laughs> he's shooting three pointers for the Lakers. And, and uh, you know, some of that, again, kind of falls on coaching. Like it, it'd be one thing if a time or two the same guy makes the same mistake in, like, sliding too far away from Tyrese Maxey. Um, it'd be, like, that's one thing, right? Where that's just a dumb mistake on the part of one player who, like, didn't get the memo. But throughout this game... Like while we're watching it, we're like, stop helping off of Maxi. Stop doing it. They're helping like one pass away from the ball. And it's off of Tyrese Maxi. So it's like it's super simple. Oh, he's open. All right, cool. And Maxi is like, oh, oh, cool. I'm open. Sweet. And he's knocking down the three-pointer. And it's just like you're, you're at some point, that's a coaching thing, right? The fact that the Lakers collectively thought that that's how they were supposed to guard Tyrese Maxi. At some point, that's on. That's them thinking that that's what Ham wanted them to do, or it actually was what Ham wanted them to do, which is somehow worse. So, like, there is no like good explanation for that approach there, and and yeah, like, it's just it was a stupid approach to it. And then, like later in the game, the game, well, no, I guess even before you reach that point in the first quarter, it was a game. You had AD competing. You had uh, the Lakers kind of hanging around, right, despite the, the the great shooting on the part of the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and then all of a sudden, boom. 8-0 run. 12-2 run or whatever it was. 14-2 run. 18-2 run. Finally, it's a 20-2 run. And, well, the good thing is the Lakers called. No, they didn't call a timeout. It was a TV timeout. It was the first stoppage in play after the, the, the first quarter reaches under three minutes a game. That is when in a timeout is automatically called so that the NBA can pay some bills. So in the midst of a 20-2 run, Darvin Ham never once thought it was a good idea to call timeout to maybe make any adjustment whatsoever, i.e., start guarding Tyrese Maxey. That was an option. He was like, nah, we're good. Hands in the pockets. It's kind of cold on the East Coast. You know, can here's what, the, here's what the league needs to figure out or what the Lakers need to figure out. Is there any way whatsoever that Dar Darvin can call timeout with his hands in his pockets? Hold on one second. I'm finding this out. Wait a tick. He can call it verbally. You don't even have to take your hands out of your pockets, Darvin. You can just yell at the referee. Hey, yo, timeout. Please. Yo, hey, they can't stop scoring on us. For some reason, our guys think that we aren't supposed to be guarding Tyrese Maxey. Hello? Call timeout. 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 Somebody on the court, call timeout. Dribble the half court, call timeout. You don't even have to remove your hands. They're nice and warm and snuggly. You know, pressed up against those thighs of yours. You can just like, go ahead, keep them in there. Fuck it. But call timeout. It's a 20 to 2 run. No other coach that I have ever watched, and maybe you could say Phil Jackson would have done this, but Darvin, you're no Phil Jackson. You clearly haven't implemented the same kind of culture that Phil Jackson was capable of implementing year after year after year after year. That's why he felt like he could just let those guys figure it out on the court in the midst of those runs. Your guys can't. This part of the season, it's pretty clear you can't. Call a freaking timeout. For the love of God.
and that wasn't even like <laughs> the end of the weird coaching decisions here. Later in the game, in the second half, you basically played zone for the entirety of the third quarter, which, yeah, all right, I get it. The other team has Joel Embiid. Maybe you feel a little undersized. AD is in foul trouble, and and and, AD, and, and uh, Embiid is just getting into the middle of your defense and just absolutely wrecking stuff. Wait, hold on, what? Embiid wasn't playing? Huh? <laughs> what? Yeah, that's right. The, uh, <laughs> the Sixers had a maxi-led offense that was looking to shoot three-pointers anyway. You know what you give up when you go zone, when you go two-three? You know what you wind up giving up? Threes. You know what a lineup with like Tyrese Maxey and Marcus Morris and Nico Batum and whoever the, the hell else was on the court want to do? You know what that group wants to do when they're super undersized? They want to shoot open three-pointers. And you know what your defense was doing? You were giving him them open three-pointers. And you know what? The good news is you called the timeout and you adjusted, right? 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 You did? No, you didn't. You did not. And so, like, when Darvin Ham says, oh, God, it is sure sucks that our guys get out there and nobody seems to give a bleep at the end of these games. There's no such thing as garbage time, he said after the game. When you're an NBA player, you are out there to compete. Well, Darvin, you didn't compete in this one. Where Whether it was a, a bad game plan to guard Tyrese Maxey, one of the, the league's best perimeter players so far this season, whether it was a lack of adjustments in the middle of that timeout run or, or the, the run that you didn't take a timeout during, whether it was in the second half when you kept in a zone when the lineup that you were playing against did not call for a zone to be played against, all of those things. When a team sees you give up on a game, guess what the hell they're going to do? Yeah. They're going to lose by 44 points, and they aren't going to compete at the end of games because you don't give a bleep. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the Lakers are going to be in action again on Wednesday, and they play against a Wizards team in the midst of, I think, the worst losing streak that the Detroit Pistons, or no, the, uh, the, all right, sorry. The Lakers play the Detroit Pistons on Wednesday. The Pistons are in the midst of the worst losing streak that that organization has ever had in the regular season. They just lost to the, to, to the Washington wizards an utter joke of a franchise right now that Detroit Pistons team is in the lowest of lows. They are, you know, you look at any Pistons fan timeline on Twitter right now, and all of them are really going through it. They deserve it, right? Or not. They don't deserve it, but they, they, they uh, certainly are are deserving of, uh, or they have earned the ability to like go through it, right? Like they they have every right to rip that organization up and down in the way that they are. And you know what's crazy? Here's the nuts thing, because of the entitled way that these Lakers play. I'm not positive the Lakers beat them. This is like, you know. <laughs> That franchise is, is at rock bottom, and this franchise or this team, this group of guys seem to look for every reason whatsoever to exhale, and I could totally see them taking some dumb first-quarter deficit and all of it. Maybe they wind up winning the game, but it's like one of those wins. That, like, yeah, you know, whatever. And, you know, LeBron after the game, and I'll talk about that next, I guess, but... 
Um, you know, a lot LeBron said that a lot has to change. Honestly, man, like some of it starts with you and AD and the way that you guys either choose to lead or not to lead this group collectively. And um, you know, that game on Wednesday, if you don't win that one, you know, uh and, and the Lakers have done a good job of beating up on bad teams, I guess, this year. But if you don't win that one, like, resoundingly, then it is maybe time to start wondering, is it time to, like, really make some changes, right? I'm recording this on November 27th, right? You guys will be listening to this on November 28th. That means that we are just over, you know, two weeks away from... December 15th, when more guys are available to be traded. We know that Zach Levine's name is out there. We know that over the course of the season, we are going to get more names out there from teams who are looking to make changes in one way or the other. And with the way that these Lakers compete or like sometimes don't, I, I, it, it, it almost might take a cultural shift. And, and, you know, honestly, whether that comes in the form of personnel or the coach. I don't think the coach is getting changed anytime soon, but I think he made a like grand miscalculation in this five out offense that he tried to implement over the course of the season. I think it's, it was a, it was a big mistake to basically take away that continuity that the, the rest of the Lakers were really excited to build on from last year and basically like, implement a brand new offense that now everybody is learning together. I thought that was a really big mistake made right from the get-go of the season. And and I, I do kind of think that this kind of game reflects really poorly on this guy that, you know, typically maintains buy-in. And you look what's going on over there in Phoenix where they haven't had Bradley Beal basically all season. Devin Booker has been in and out of the lineup. The only guy that they've kept around or have had available night in, night out has been Kevin Durant, and they just keep ripping off wins. They now have a pretty sizable lead on the Lakers in the division. And, you know, you look at who's the head coach is over there, and you look at the way that he's doing stuff over there. And, you know, I just can't help but wonder, man, do the Lakers have the right guy here? Last thing here, and I don't want to spend a ton of time on it because LeBron in these spots, we know that, you know, he like he he also is a part of the loss here. So when he says like a lot needs to change, that involves him too. But I also know that LeBron likes to drop breadcrumbs. And we also know that LeBron likes to kind of subtweet his front office. We also know that Zach Levine is a clutch guy and we know that LeBron and you know, the way that he operates would maybe kind of sort of prefer to bring the clutch guy in here and, and see what they could, we've already seen right with Cam Reddish, um, see what the, the clutch guy can do when you bring him into a culture uh, with LeBron and with AD that is invested in him personally, right? Zach Levine um, is a very talented player. I don't know if he necessarily fixes anything that ails the Lakers right now, but if he like cares at all about defense and he is very capable of piercing the other team's defense in ways that their current guards can't, um, maybe that makes a little bit of sense here. 
especially if, you know, maybe you can bring Caruso back as part of the trade and, and get any perimeter defense whatsoever with guys who can actually stay on the court consistently. So yeah, when LeBron says that like a lot needs to change, it's hard not to think a couple weeks from now from what that might mean. And in order to avoid that, the Lakers are going to have to do more winning and they are going to have to start looking better against better teams because yeah, they have a couple good wins over the course of the season, right? They had just beaten the Cavs in Cleveland though. I will say um, that game against Cleveland I have to look this up really quick, but the um, the game that they won against Cleveland, I believe did not have. Oh, no, Garland. Well, yeah, Garland only played 14 minutes in that game. Um, only picked up, you know, only had the one foul. So like, you know, a big part of that, that team in Cleveland was not right. And, and even Donovan Mitchell, you know, in talking to some guys who cover the uh, Cavs, they are saying that Mitchell looked a little banged up too. So like the Lakers have done a lot of beating up on bad teams and they have gotten beaten up by some good teams. And at some point the Lakers are going to have to start, you know, at least looking competitive in those games. And yeah, the Lakers are, were absent some very key players in this one. And hopefully they'll be getting some of those guys soon. But in the meantime, you cannot. And if you're Anthony Davis, you cannot take that kind of a beating after you got called out the way that you did hours before the game. And I think like to a certain extent, when LeBron says, you know, a lot has to change, that's the kind of stuff, you know, that's the, that's the kind of, that's the kind of tonal shift that the Lakers desperately need. All right, that is going to do it here for this episode of the Lakers Lowdown podcast. Uh, we will be back tomorrow uh, being, let's see, today was Monday, so we have Tuesday. So we'll do a, uh, we'll have a, 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 you know, a nice day where we don't have to maybe watch the Lakers. And, and, and yeah, it, it'd be nice if this was like the first night of a back-to-back, right? Because, you know, the Lakers are good and rested, although that hasn't really mattered and in the, the back-to-backs that the Lakers have played so far this year. Um, but but it would be nice, or it'll be nice to just kind of take a break from this team, allow this group to hopefully get a little healthier. Um, from what I keep hearing, there is some optimism that we'll get some good news on Jared Vanderbilt very soon. So that would be nice uh, to get. Rui Hachimura obviously is going to miss another week or so. Um, and there is some hope that Cam Reddish might be able to split these back-to-backs that the Lakers have in front of them here coming up next. So maybe some help is on the way. But in the meantime, you know, when LeBron says that, you know, a lot needs to change, it starts in a lot of places. And we'll see if they're able to do that. So until the next time you guys hear from me, I'm Anthony Irwin saying have a great rest of your day. Make somebody else's, and we'll talk to you 